I'm Tom. I'm Stephanie. This is a podcast about what bonds people and places together. Or as we like to call it, food glue. So just to introduce you there, you've already, you've already teased the name there. We've got Miles from Living Goods with us today. And we are um, hanging out in Essence. Sam's very lovely um, and kindly hosting us. Um, so Living Goods, what is it? Uh, so I suppose the premise is uh, specialising in all things fermentation. Um, and a bit there as well is that we are plant-based as well. Not necessarily something that we push but just I'm vegan and I kind of never would want to put something on a menu that I wouldn't be able to taste. It's all about fermentation. What got you into fermentation? Um, I feel like most people give a fairly similar answer to these kind of things. It was lockdown, like 2020. I remember obviously no one had anything to do and I remember just like, I think the first one I did was like a, turmeric sauerkraut mm. and I remember just like massaging cabbage massaging salt into <laughs> cabbage and then like coming back two weeks later and being like oh my gosh why does this taste so nice and then like just looking at recipes and going oh wow there's so many more things that you can do with this and then just kind of got into it more and more from there just started making kombucha started making kimchi which uh, at the time I was living with my parents and um, that was definitely an interesting point because I'm sure most people will know kimchi absolutely stinks when it's fermenting but it is really tasty, so um, it was worth it. But yeah, definitely an interesting one for my parents. Bless them. Yeah. I mean, you say everybody did it. I also made sauerkraut in lockdown. I now don't have a pop-up business doing fermented foods, so you've definitely taken it to the next level. So obviously, as I mentioned, I work in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. I worked in one just straight after I finished uni as well. Mm-hmm. And as much as I like doing that, I think for like maybe the past two years, Mm -hmm. I've known that I've wanted to do my own thing. And when it came to actually think about what I wanted to do, I was like, well, what's one thing that I'm pretty good at and something that you don't really see everywhere else? And that was fermentation. And that was where Living Goods was born, I suppose you can say. We're not talking about a pop-up of you selling your fermented goods. We're talking about you doing pop-ups where you have a full menu, a full host of food. Um, So where did your background kind of come from that point? Did you just develop the menus from your ferments or any background in...? So I used to work at Prickly Pear um, when they were on Mansfield Road. Okay, yeah. And when I was working there, they gave me a bit of an opportunity to be in the kitchen. I kind of realised that I I have always really enjoyed cooking as well. But I remember, again, during the lockdowns whilst I was there, I um, I actually developed a few specials and pretty much all of them had something fermented on them. <laughs> so like we did a kimchi burger that was really, really popular and that was, that was kind of my experience being in a kitchen. And then when it comes to menus, again, it's the joy of kind of doing your own thing that like I get to decide that menu. I decide like what components go in what, what ferment I want to be like at the forefront or whether the ferment is actually just like a very small element of it but it completely varies like my burger nights that I do the burger patties the living burger patties as I call them are inspired by the Noma quinoa tempeh burgers Mm. so they are actually fermented which is quite a cool thing to be able to say and then you know like growing my own koji to like marinate the mushroom koji 
So this was another thing. I tried to like brush up on the name so I sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, koji is a substrate, usually rice or a lot of places do barley, um, inoculated with a spore called, I'm going to butcher this name, Aspergillus oryzae. Um, He's done that with no notes. I'm He's a braver man than I am. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did write down a few things, <laughs> read, read it and then... Read, read over them this morning and then was like, if I have this in front of me, it's just going to sound staged. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, like I say, it's, a, it's rice inoculated with a spore and you then grow it at 30 degrees Celsius at 75% relative humidity for about 48 hours. And it basically creates like a white mycelium web all around the rice and binds it together. And it's a really, really interesting ingredient to work with. It breaks down proteins into amino acids and breaks down starches into sugars. So it's, again, wow. the possibilities are endless with it. And I'm only just like, again, with not having a huge amount of kitchen experience, the kind of joy of doing this pop-up for me is that like, it's just something I enjoy. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you, you put, like for example, I took a loaf of bread home from work that went a bit stale. And then I just uh, baked it off, ground it into a bit of a paste with some koji and salt. And that's then going to ferment for three months, and hopefully it becomes a like waste product bread paste. And it's yeah, wow. possibilities are endless. Basically, I just take you back a bit to me being complete luddite when it comes to these things. You just kind of a brief: what is fermentation, and why is it great in food? So that's a good question because it's a hard one to, de to define because there's all f sorts of different forms of fermentation as well you've got lacto fermentation you've got mold based fermentation like koji lacto fermentation is you know like a pickle for example like everyone knows everyone's had a dill pickle in their life what most people don't know is if they're done in a salt brine that will be fermented the best way of looking at it that i like to say is like controlled decay and also the conditions that you're putting those vegetables in because they're in a controlled environment, because you're controlling the environment through like the salt levels, through the acidity levels, he healthy and beneficial bacteria can grow. So for example, with lacto-fermentation, again, I'm trying to remember these names, but a bacteria known as lactobacillus grows. Don't put that in, I think that's the wrong word. Um, I think you're right. I'm going to have to look at other parts of this. I'll check before I include anything. Um, and so that it just comes with, you know, the huge benefits to your gut. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reason it's grown in popularity in food is mainly it's good for you. And also it can bring so many flavours that are just not there before. That's quite another thing I've quite enjoyed about, like focusing on a plant-based, focusing myself on plant-based things because... Koji is really good at developing umami, which is something that's naturally not present in a lot of vegetables. So it can really take like, I've actually got a sample with me that we can all try of a um, beet charcuterie, which mm. is inspired by a book called Koji Alchemy. Um, and I was actually just taking a beetroot through various forms of like curing, inoculating with Koji, dehydrating. And it's incredible that that piece of beetroot was once just like a root vegetable and now it's something that resembles charcuterie wow. just through fermentation. That's amazing.
I'm also just thinking it's so interesting interviewing you today because on one of our last podcasts we had a big my question of the day for Tom was when is a burger not a burger <laughs> and we you talk about doing burger pop-ups and actually we came about that like patty is the key thing mm. and it's interesting that for somebody who eats plant-based mm -hmm. that your some of your pop-ups are burger pop-ups yeah. so where did that inspiration come from is it just something you love I think so before that so the I started doing burger nights when I did my pop-up at Junkyard. Mm -hmm. I've always tried to look at a venue and go, what menu will work here? So um, my first one was at Little Bricks, and their big thing was, I feel like their style of dining was like small plates, natural wine, and so that worked. So doing a set menu worked really well there. Mm -hmm. And whilst I love doing set menus, and I think you know they're a really good creative expression, you can create some incredible flavours. Plating is like... A good ex form of expression if you will they are a hard sell so telling someone or saying to someone pay 45 pounds and you get all of this might sound nice but it's quite a lot to ask someone like if you two were to come to one that's 90 pounds that's quite a quite a commitment to yeah. for quite a lot of people and then when i looked at doing junkyard i thought you can bring fermentation to any food mm. so Burgers seemed like a really good idea. And again, Noma is a massive source of inspiration for me. And so I thought, why not bring something familiar to people into and still like stay within my like business model of like trying to bring fermentation to the people. So I've gone off a bit of a tangent there, but I'd say I I did burgers because it's something that's familiar. Yeah. It's something that you can do at a reasonable price point for most people and th you can bring fermentation into them and I just love challenging myself on like what can I do with this menu that brings fermentation into it and also just tastes incredible. So. That's a great answer and you probably know that one of our keys is that food is the glue that brings communities together mm. exactly what you're talking about there is taking familial food to bring mm. something completely new to people and introduce them to something that they may have perhaps been a bit apprehensive of mm. i think you know we're talking about mold we're talking about decay sometimes it freaks people out oh yeah it's um, definitely a but, hard sell to environmental health just a yeah i'm growing mold yeah. it's good mold it's good mold <laughs> it's, good mold. it's fine <laughs> Interesting. So talking about fermentation, it's been a bit of a buzzword in the last few years, as you say, Noma, big on it. I've also heard a bit about the likes of, is it Sandal Cats and kind of the Californian style of fermentation? Yeah. Are there any key people aside from Noma that are big inspirations for you in terms of getting into fermentation? Um, I can't remember his surname, but the author of Koji Alchemy is a massive source of inspiration for me. He, I think he's out in Cleveland in America <laughs> and just, again, like, he, in their book, is a detailed way of making vegetable charcuterie mm. using koji. There's loads of, like, meat-based recipes in there as well, so that's a okay. another thing. And then mainly just Instagram and kind of... I have quite... I'd say I have... My brain is either completely off and I'm not thinking about anything or I just have loads of random ideas that I then write down in all my notes and then come back to and go, oh, my God, I know what I can do with this. And, yeah, that's... I suppose Instagram is a good source of inspiration as well. Looking where you can take maybe like an, a menu that you've seen, take an element out of it and go, what can you do that's fermentation based? And then 
put it on a menu myself. Amazing. Yeah. Have you just going back to what you just said? Have you seen Michael McIntyre's sketch where he talks about his nothing box? No, you know, I have not. It's it's worth googling if you can. You know, your brain's over here and you don't have to think about anything. My other half uses that quite a lot of the time when I'm pestering him, and he's like, "I'm in my nothing box right now. <laughs> you need to not think about anything." So you talked about the book Koji Alchemy and the process there. Do you need a lot of equipment for making Koji? You were talking about very specific degrees. Yeah, and... so I have, so in the Nomagard fermentation, they outline a way that you can create a fermentation chamber. Mm -hmm. And mine is basically a cool box mm -hmm. with a little heater inside of it and a little humidifier inside of it um, that you just plug into um, humidity and uh, temperature controllers and it just keeps them at those humidity so for example once it gets to 30 degrees the heater will turn off and then once it gets down to about 20 <coughs> excuse me um, when it gets down to about 28 which is where you want it to be, like you don't want it to be any lower than that it will then turn the heater on goes back up to 30 mm -hmm. degrees and so on and so forth so yes you do need a, a bit of equipment for it but the I would argue that the effort to reward ratio and also the money saving ratio is 100% worth it. Yeah. So. Amazing. It's making me think a little bit that temperature balance of tempering chocolate. You know, you have to get it to a certain temperature and put a bit in to bring it back down and yeah. very precise. I think it's um, so, like with other ferments, like for example, like sauerkraut, pickles, mm. kombucha every ferment prefers a warmer environment. It will do it a lot quicker. Mm. But there are also like, more forgiving ferment so like for example if i'm doing a ferment at home you can kind of just leave it in like a corner of your house to ferment in it yeah. like it's ready when it's ready kind of thing yeah having made sauerkraut for example you don't need any special if people want to get into this there's no you don't need any equipment to, to start out we yeah. also like tom and i talk a lot about booze and obviously mm. there's ferments involved in those but also yeah sauerkraut something like that or even a sourdough you can have a go out at home without too much equipment literally all you need is your vegetable some salt and yeah. a jar and yeah i think that's the easiest place to start for most people is a pickle and you it's really interesting because we talk about it being new and we talk about gnome and we talk about the californian kind of school of fermentation but you've just made me think that basic like my nan came around the other day and bought me some piccalilli. It, it's a ferment, basically. Yeah. It's, and it's how they preserved and how they stored food. Yeah. And we think about the preserved fish in the Nordics and things like that. They're all kind of from this school of fermentation and how we can make things last longer. Yeah, I think that was one of the big, kind of like few things that I said to myself and those like my promises as a business was, always the accessibility side mm -hmm. of things you know like it doesn't need to be like a scary like bit of cabbage that's been left out for a month it's like <laughs> it's something that can be incredibly nice like just for example like sauerkraut you can just put it with a bit of rye bread and it's really nice i've dehydrated it and made like a kraut seasoning out of it oh, before so it's it does salt. yeah it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be intimidating and it doesn't need to be unfamiliar it can just become part of your diet very easily. And I suppose that's where my pop-ups come in. I just want to show that, you know, a lot of this menu has a lot of ferments on it and you might not have, you probably wouldn't have noticed. Mm. So. And it's so nice to kind of measure on the flavour benefits rather than I think a lot of the stuff in the news has been, oh, fermented foods are really good for you. Buy some kefir, buy some kombucha. It's really good for your gut. Whereas you really seem to be being like, this stuff is full of flavour. Let, let me show you how amazing it can taste. And the gut benefits are just a side effect then. Yeah, exactly. I think 
there's an important thing to note that once you heat up a ferment, I think it's above above about 60 degrees, mm. you are killing those beneficial bacteria. So, again, if you were to put some sauerkraut in a hot pan, it might not, it's not as beneficial. But again, you can still build those flavours there. And mm. yeah, it's incredible. I just had a funny theory. Mm. You know, like a lot of British food is considered a bit bland. Mm. Maybe back in olden times, a lot of the stuff that went into that food mm. was preserved through fermentation principles. Mm. And actually it wasn't. Just random thought off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. It's like, if you're eating cabbage in the middle of winter, you, you haven't just dug it up. You've, yeah, like our been, grandparents and our great-grandparents. It's been stored in something and it's had a, something going on with it. It'd be a lot more interesting than mm. it turned into. Maybe modern conveniences have kind yeah. of killed the flavour of a lot of things. And also, refrigeration is a very, very modern invention. Mm. You know, but, what, in the less than 100 years, maybe? Or just over? And you to think that if you leave a vegetable out your fridge, it mm. will go off. Whereas and supermarket bought goes off way quicker than if you've picked it. Well, some 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 and some not. I, I had some cherries at home that did not last. But I generally find if you've got something from a farm or like I remember my auntie in France, her apples from her garden, she mm. would store all winter in the basement, layered up in brown paper. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got layers of straw and all yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's also like... But the supermarket stuff, you're right, I think, because it's picked when it's not ready. Yeah, it's just like for the convenience side of things yeah. as well. I think just touching on like, the, like being buried in hay, I think like whenever I research like either like a new ferment or just like expanding my knowledge as much as possible, I think it's like, have you ever had like a red fermented bean curd? It's often in like chashu and stuff. Mm. So how that tofu is made traditionally in China is it's kept in like a little wooden box that's buried in hay and just left to ferment. Mm. And it does stink. I've done like a modern version at home and it just stinks like cheese. However, it's crazy that like that's how they used to preserve mm. their tofu when they made it as a family. In Korea, they like bury their kimchi as well. And you think those. we think it smells worse just because we're not accustomed to it? Like... I personally quite like the smell yes, of like fermentation. I think maybe that's because I'm, I'm around it far too much. But it's a tough one, really. I think. I mean, yeah. I suppose it's just down to personal preference. Like again, I'm sure my parents will vouch and say that they did not enjoy the smell of kimchi. <laughs> but equally, that smell is the fermentation of something beautiful. You strike me as a very entrepreneurial spirit and somebody who's always looking for like the next thing and exploring and. How then does waiting for fermentation hit you? I assume you're creating things sometimes and having to wait months for the result. Again, have always been one of those people that struggles with planning ahead and like becoming quite overwhelmed with like work and stuff like when I was at school, like the daunting nature of an exam coming in would cause me so much stress that I'd just put it off. Mm. And weirdly, I've chosen a business model that has that involves going, okay, I've got three weeks till a pop-up and this ferment's going to take four weeks. Oh, no, what am I going to do? But <laughs> it just comes with, yeah, just planning ahead and, like, it's almost the excitement of seeing how that ferment's going to turn out and obviously trying to do it as advanced as possible so that you can go, okay, this is ready to put on a menu. Mm. Like, for example, I, for my last pop-up that I did at the Oat Shed in Kimberley, yeah. they, um, I did a blood orange kombucha sauce for my for my dessert and so I decided to zest zest all the blood oranges because otherwise they would just go to waste 
and mixed it with some chilies and some salt and made uh, blood orange kosho, which is an Asian ferment. Or, well, yuzu kosho is more traditional. Um, but, you know, in, I think, about five weeks, that'll be ready. And it's just exciting to be able to try something that would have otherwise been a waste product and go, oh, cool, this is ready in two weeks. It's nice, and I can use it on whatever I like. Yeah, and maybe inspire your next pop-up. Yeah, exactly. You've nicely led on to one of my next questions there, which was going to be... We've talked a lot about ferments and things like that. Most mm. of your menus include a dessert. Yeah. How are we getting fermented foods into dessert? So the easiest is always miso. Like mm. it mm. gives yeah. you like that like salty element like straight away. It is the area that I struggle on the most, mainly because I think I think like baking and cakes and all that sort of stuff is a lot more like it's a completely different skill to mm. other forms of cooking so it's just like again looking at how you can try it. so for example an idea i had the other day was an amazake cheesecake mm. using tofu and uh, amazake i don't know if you know what amazake is so amazake is koji rice and water uh, held at 60 degrees for about eight to ten hours and because it's at 60 degrees the koji effectively is taking these these starches in the rice and transforming them into simple sugars. So you get a completely naturally sweet product. Mm. And when you blend that up, it's just like you could mix it with a bit of salt, cure some tofu, and you get like a weirdly slightly cheesy, sweet, but very like pliable base. I'm hoping to turn into cheesecake, but that's that a work amazing. in progress. You yeah. also made me think earlier of like maybe a kombucha jelly. Yeah, kombucha is quite a good one because you can do, like, for example, like blood orange kombucha reduction. Mm. That was like a really easy one. Um, I've got a book by Sandor Katz that has a sauerkraut cheese, uh, sauerkraut chocolate cake in that I'm yet to try, but I would very much like to. I would like you to try that. Yeah. Um, You mentioned miso then. Is Mm. that something where you make your own or are you Um, investing in a good one? uh, So I invest in good ones for now just because miso can take a minimum of three months and mm. upwards of a year for wow. a dark one so for the next batch of koji that i plan on making i have like got a list of a few misos that i'm going to try and make with that but i think like with the position the business is in right now and you know like i'm still working yeah, absolutely. another job i don't have that much space to do it mm. all in it's it'll be something that hopefully i'll be able to do a lot more of yeah. in the coming years but yeah, i think Misos will be, I'm going to, I think now that it's wild garlic season, I'm going to make like a wild garlic miso that hopefully will be on the menu somewhere soon. Amazing. So talking about your menus, you've mentioned a few pop-ups that you've done. Which mm. has been your favourite one so far? That's, that's hard because I feel like if I say anything, then you offend someone. <laughs> um, you can say what the favourite menu. It doesn't necessarily have to be the place, does it? I'd say... Really, tr- that's a really tough question. Mm. I think my favourite. Can I give two? <laughs> I'm like asking you to pick your favourite child here, aren't I? Yeah. yeah, you can go with two then. So, favourite burger night would have been Junkyard, yeah. just because it was my first sellout event. I think like we had sixty had a space for sixty, mm. and within like the first few days. I had like 20 bookings and I was like oh my god like 20 people are coming to eat and then like I think I put a post up saying that the tickets were selling and then 
it basically sold out and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to cook for 60 people. This is very stressful. But I was so proud of the burgers. I was proud of the menu. I was proud of like, kind of like cooking for that many people. Yeah. Like I've never really done that before. So that was, that's a personal favorite for the achievement and the menus. And then if okay. we're going to look at a set menu, again, probably my first one at Little Bricks, just because I, that was my first time and yeah. I was pretty proud to say that I put a five course menu together yeah and prepped it all fermented it all and served it all and yeah huge achievement okay so going from those what's next what's the future I'm absolutely dying to get to one of your pop-ups we've managed to like completely every time you've had one I've been on holiday and then <laughs> when I've been here you've been on holiday um do you mean like the future is in like where I want the business to go or where my like future pop-ups are? Let's do both. So I think, well, I know that I want it to be a bricks and mortar. I'm very much of the knowledge that that will take a long time. Mm -hmm. It's very expensive. Like at the minute, all my overheads are personal because mm -hmm. I don't like have the premises that I work from. Well, sorry, I, have, I don't have like a... Building. Know, yeah, don't building. Have a kitchen. Yeah. Um, so I'd love it to get to the point where I can look at, you know, the takings from, from pop-ups and go, this is going to be my full-time thing and eventually just find a space where hopefully I can have a little fermentation lab so that I can, mm. yeah, that's kind of like, the, you can get it in Noma, you can get it. Well, well they're closing down now, so you can fill the hole. Yeah, exactly. We'll come from <laughs> Copenhagen to next um, But no, I think it would be great to have a bricks and mortar, just that's that's the goal and then future ones this year is getting very busy um i've just like last year i think i did seven which was more than i planned on wow. doing um or more than i thought i'd do um and now this year i'm just like let's just let's just get as many booked in so what have we got coming up i haven't actually announced a lot of these we have right, we'll be we're probably two weeks off going out so yeah got Oscar and Rosie's oh. next week. That's an exciting one just because I've been going to Oscar and Rosie since I was like 16. Um, and I even said to Ollie, the, the owner, like, how sweet is this, Ollie? You know, eight years ago, I came into your restaurant and had a pizza and now we're doing a pizza together. It upsets me his name's not Oscar, though. Uh, I think they're the name, Oscar and Rosie, I think they're the name of his cats. Ah, okay, great. And so, but are you putting ferments on pizza? Yeah. Ah, so the, amazing. So the one that I'm most excited about is the Koji Bechamel Tempeh oh. Ragu and Aged Tofu Parmesan Pizza that we're doing with them. So Can I get in on this next week? It's on Tuesday from 5 to 9 and you can book, your bookings are still open. I think there's, they booked Tuesday then. Yeah, but we could go straight from coaching. <laughs> you like how oh, we're like, we need, to go. we need to go. How can we make it happen? Great. So that yeah. sounds exciting and a bit different again. Yeah, and then... A very big one that I'm very excited about is Mesa, which what? is in April. Which is in April, and yeah, I remember. Again, it was quite a humbling experience. I went into dispatch just like, "Hi, can I um, hand out some posters, please?" Um, and Naomi, the woman who like to just like run all of these things, she's a very very impressive woman. The fact that she like seems to be in control of all these things, she like looked at my post and was like, oh, I know you. And just, I then took that as an opportunity to be like, can I do some pop-ups at some of your venues? That would be really good. And 
Meso was one that I really wanted and now I'm doing a burger night there in April. Great. Uh, what else? We've got Black Iris in the summer. There might be a beer coming along with mm. that that I'm working on. Um, Amazing. Look at that for a lineup. I mean, unlike a lot of pop-ups who have gone through the kind of farmer's market, food market front, mm. and then maybe moved into some restaurants or pubs, you seem to have gone straight into some, I'm not going to say prestigious, but some good quality good quality places straight away. So how did that come about? Um, I'm going to sound quite cocky here. <laughs> I, so from working in hospitality, I used to work at a coffee shop called Blend in Stanton Market. Yeah. And... I think from working in hospitality, you just start knowing people and you start seeing the same people and you're all in the same atmosphere. And so when I went to a few places and were like, oh, um, I'm Miles, I'd, um, I run a thing called Living Goods, I'd love to do a pop-up here. It kind of came with that like, oh, I know who you are. Like, you've served me coffee before. And that like gets the ball rolling a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's just Nottingham is a really good city yeah. for food, for networking. Like I remember before I did my very first pop-up, I met Ryan from Slice and Brew. We literally just went for a beer at Junkyard and I just picked his brain about like how to actually do a pop-up and he just gave me loads of advice and it was, yeah, it really helped. Um, sorry, I seem to go on, off on a lot of tangents no, no, here. I'll, I'll, That's I'll, what we like. I'll, it's just flowing well. I'm hardly having to ask any questions here because you're <laughs> yeah. making it easy. But with the prestigious side of things, I suppose it's just like want, you know, wanting a venue and if I can make it work with them, yep. it's... I get to do them. It's really good to see. Sorry. It's really good to see because I was just flicking through your Instagram and I was like, oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. And it seems you're on a slightly different path to some other people we've talked yeah. to. But actually, it's quite similar because the hosp- we get the impression that, yes, the hospitality market, the quality mm-hmm. hospitality market in Nottingham is quite small. It's very interconnected. Well, and that's yeah. why we've got the podcast. And it is very supportive of each other, which is really lovely to see as well. 100%. Like, I am. Um, another fun one is I will hopefully be doing a bit of an evening at Essen so again it's just (laughs) (laughs) again it's another kind of thing that links into the whole accessibility thing that I try and push is like I want to show that it can be anywhere and it can be in different forms so again like a burger night you know you you can have ferments on a burger you can have it as a set menu you can have it on a pizza you can have it just like with a glass of wine at Essen or something like it's something that can go and what I like to think it's somewhere that can go anywhere. No, right. that's or, great. You've gone from, yeah, you said, you know, you went to uni, you came out of uni, you worked in a coffee shop and you've just embraced what you love. And I actually think there's something, one of the things you've touched on then is something that we should all take away from this conversation. And that is that if you want a seat at the table, you've got to ask for it. You can't stand back and think, oh, I want to do this thing, but wouldn't it be nice if I could do it at that restaurant? Yeah, you can't just wait, ask yeah. for a seat at the table. And if you're a nice person and you approach people gently, then, you know, they might say, not right now, but they're going to help you on that journey. And I know, 100%. Yeah. I remember, I think it was back in November of 2021, maybe early of 2022, I was just at work um, with my friend Charlie, and I was talking to him about, like, living goods and saying, like, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do, like, this is where I want to do mm. it. And he was like, just do it, just, like, get yourself started. And I remember I went to Little Bricks for dinner, and then... That next week, I sent them an email like, hi, um, I had pink hair at the time, so it was also quite easy because I just went, um, I was a guy with pink hair, if you remember me. I'd love to do a pop-up at your restaurant. And then it just kind of came from that. So, yeah, you just got to ask. And You've just... also got a good, unusual name. 
Yeah. What, again, hospitality, unusual name, and pink the fact hair. they used to have pink hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. So we've talked about loads of our favourite local spots, like Katerina Littlebricks is one of my absolute faves. She has me messaged me, so I need to get onto them about going down there and interviewing her. So where are your favourite local spots to eat? Hmm. Slice and brew. Got to be top okay. one, 100%. Okay. The man knows his pizza. I'd, I'd say there. You didn't even hesitate then. I love that. Slice and brew. We Normally they oh, and they are, don't they? Yeah. And they look really worried. But you were like, bang. Slice and brew. Happy no, days. it's easy. Because you can go there for a nice meal with your friends. You can go on a date there. You could do, you could go by yourself and they're, yeah. all, they're all really nice in there. And the pizza is just incredible. Like I remember, <laughs> probably shouldn't say this, but I remember when I first went to Slice and Brew when he was still doing pop-ups, I was like, Nottingham's already got quite a lot of good pizza places, like, can it really be that good? And I just remember trying it and going, yeah, fair play, like, fair, mm. very good pizza. Uh, Cushio's another good one, if you can get in there. Yeah, now after the hype, I'm so glad I went before they were in the Guardian. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those cool things where you can go like, I went before they were in yeah, the Guardian. Yeah, before they were cool. <laughs> and then, and it, uh, Mesa is also pretty good. I'm going in two weeks. Yeah. I haven't tried their new menu yet. I would very much like to, but yeah, no. Well, they're... I'll let you know. There you go. And where would you go for a coffee? Because we've talked a lot about coffee places. Uh, shameless self-promotion. Akende is a very good place to go for yeah, a coffee. We do very good coffee, yeah, in West Bridgeford. But if you're more on the city centre side of things, Effie, 100%. Uh, Mitch could sell me anything, and yeah, their coffee is just incredible. My only feedback is it's very pink. Not anymore. It's like blue, is yellow. It? Yeah, they've oh, done it. Because last time I went in, it felt like I was in a marshmallow, and I couldn't. Well, you, I couldn't stay. <laughs> I feel like every time they, every time you go in, it changes like the littlest bit. Like they would, okay, they've cool. done loads of work over the last year, and that's just, I've, like I say, like every time I'd go in, I'd go, this is different. The other thing about Akende is possibly the best brownies in town. Yeah, and cardamom buns. They have like a cult following. Like mm. whenever I'm at work and someone comes in, I'm all, like they go. They've got any cardamom buns, and if I say no, I feel like I've just like broken their heart. They're very authentic cardamom buller, I would say. They're very Swedish. Um, I work for a Swedish company, so they're very okay. authentic. Um, whereas there's some other great cinnamon buns in town, <laughs> but they're perhaps not the most authentic Scandi. So, no, there you go. Yeah, they're pretty much bang on. Amazing. Okay, I am just going. What's your coffee order? What is my coffee order? Um, it it is either a filter coffee like yeah. pour over or an oat milk flat white yeah i'm all about the oat milk as well if you um like one of your fermented goods out of all of the ones you make what would be the one you keep um i'm gonna go with a little bit of a loophole here koji because you can mix it with anything and it'll taste pretty good so koji <laughs> And you've just been to Lisbon, haven't you? I have. Tell yes. me. Incredible food. Like I just yeah, just spent far too much money spent far too much money on food there, but yeah, it was just incredible food. Very poorly signly very poorly signposted city, but yeah, it was the food scene's incredible. By which do you mean you got lost? 
Yeah. <laughs> like actually try, trying to find my way around without Google Maps, I was just like, where am I? <laughs> I really, really want to go. Um, and I actually think money spent on food is never misspent. So. Yeah, although... Unless yeah. it's bad, like there's some places you go and you're like, I wish I hadn't spent that much. Like maybe it wasn't good value, but still it's filled you up. Yeah, exactly. So, have you been to Copenhagen? I have when I was a lot younger. Yeah. Um, but I would like to go again. I want to go to Popple, which is uh, Noma's burger restaurant that they opened, ah. and just try one of their uh, one of their quinoa tempeh burgers to be like, let's see how yeah. how good theirs is compared <laughs> yeah. to mine. Well, how I, good yours is compared to this. Yeah, do you never know. I really enjoyed cooking again, so if you do go, let me know and I'll pop you some recommendations. I had some incredible meals. We went to a Michelin-starred restaurant, but not MoMA, and we went for a long walk just so we could look <laughs> through the greenhouses. Like, we'll never get a booking. Yeah. I, but, yeah, it's amazing. Um, you just made me think of something else. I had the most amazing truffle pizza of my life there um, in Copenhagen. And it was almost so truffly that it was almost made me wince when I took the first couple of mouthfuls. But by the end of it, I was like, ah, give me all the truffle. I ate the whole thing. It was incredible. Lovely. Shame of self-promotion. Um, if anyone who listens to this podcast just follows me on Instagram, it's at living underscore goods underscore. Annoyingly, living goods was taking, taken. Um, if anyone could just follow me and come to one of my pop-ups support me in any way possible it honestly means the world like having people like actually spend their money on something that i've made i'm just like wow that feels good Especially you? amazing did you say you had something a sample so we've got one tub with some like so grassy is... green and another tub with some very bright pink yeah so this is beach charcuterie again like kind of like what i spoke about earlier and then this I'm going to butcher this again. This is Kanzuri Chimichurri. It's inspired by a guy I followed on Instagram. And Kanzuri is a ferment usually made from like citrus peel, chili, and koji and salt. Um, but this one takes traditional like chimichurri ingredients, like some, her some herbs and more like lime zest, and makes it into ferment. It's one of wow. the most complex things complex condiments I've ever tried. I think Sam has to do the honours. It would be like it. weirdly sweet, weirdly <laughs> weirdly spicy, weirdly citrusy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Just the sharpness coming through. Yeah. Like the herbs, you get everything through that. Bit of chilli, that's really good. Yeah, I won't tell you where I was last night having dinner, um, but that's as good. That's Ooh. seriously good. Oh. Yeah, I like that nice. a lot. There you go. Thinking of just doing that on some mushrooms. Um, nah, yeah. I'm just serving it here. That's the flavour, it's absolutely yeah. and it keeps going as well. Mm. It just keeps going. And then this is the beetroot charcuterie. Do you oh. want to try a slice? Or... I do want to try a slice. It's slightly smoky. Oh my goodness, earthy. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, your chimichurri smashed the flavour out of that charcuterie. But I'll that's go just first, then. so much flavour in the chimichurri. Oh. But you yeah. do get that little bit of smokiness coming through. Mm. Mm. The texture's changed a lot as well. Yeah. I don't sometimes don't like the texture of beetroot. Yeah, it doesn't taste doesn't, doesn't taste like that. It yeah. tastes a lot like a tartare actually in terms of the, terms of the the kind of texture of the I'm a meat eater, but it's almost got a sweet eat, and that sour is lovely. thing going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really like that's yeah. really, really nice. Can I try the other bit the other bit? You can tell we're excited because we're all just talking over each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that it's trying to think of how the well, safest way of doing this for you. Maybe just use the tip of a knife. That's the whole point. It's a natural ingredient. It's a root vegetable, 
and essentially what you've done is you've changed the composition of that root vegetable. To yeah. enhance it, all you're doing is taking it. a natural product and you enhancing it. You haven't taken something and put loads of preservatives in it and stabilizers and all of this kind of stuff. What you've done is taken a natural something that's grown in the earth mm. and just changed its composition. Oh, yeah. That's what I really like about this. There's a lot of talk about ultra high processed foods. This is Absolutely. like the opposite. And this is completely the opposite, yeah. and that's why that what I think is really good and exciting about this yeah. kind of style of cooking, hmm. um, as opposed to the crap you can get in supermarkets, which is or even some restaurants. Yeah. Koji is nature's MSG. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed them. I'm yeah. tasting that all day now. Mm. Thanks for listening to Food Glue. Please subscribe to us and share us with all of your friends, family, your nan, your dog, whoever. We would love to hear from you via our Instagram at foodgluepod or you can email us at foodgluepod at gmail.com. And if you've got some spare time, please do rate and review us on your favourite podcast player because it helps other people to find us. <laughs>